God fucking damn it. I mean, the universe hello. doesn't want us to talk about werewolves. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hello, patrons. Guess what? They, and you know who I'm talking about, they, uh, which I guess is the literati, they don't want the word getting out. The, we know the truth about werewolves. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're here today to tell you about. Actually, I kind of think Samantha cracked the code. When when should we get into that part? At the end? My theory about what a werewolf is? I mean, we could save it. It could be, like, we could build some tension in this episode, since I I feel like like there's going to be kind of fuck all to talk about. We can, like, build some tension. Like, I just so you know, dear patrons, I solved the mystery of of werewolves sitting on my couch last night. I honestly think Samantha solved the mystery. And when I saw the evidence, I was like, holy shit, that explains everything. So... You know, not to brag, but I know Samantha, and she just figured out what werewolves are, so (laughs) it's kind of cool. For this month, we watched a special called The Bray Road Beast, which is, I find it slightly annoying because everybody calls this the Beast of Bray Road. Okay, including you. I was so confused. I went on a wild wild goose chase trying to find this documentary. There is a documentary. Well, I think it's an episode of a probably some Discovery Channel bullshit um, called The Beast of Bray Road. But the clip on YouTube is only three minutes long, which is about as long as you need to talk about this. But anyway. She was um, like, I'm glad Liz picked this. It's only three minutes. Excellent. And I was like, "Mm, it's over an hour. I eventually found it on Amazon. So it's actually called The The Bray Road Beast. Because I'm sure they wanted to copyright it and they couldn't or something. Well, that woman's book is The Beast of Bray Road. Yeah. Maybe there was an issue there. Copyright titles, but maybe it's like a trademark thing. What? I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. So anyway, that's what we're talking about this month. And this is a short documentary, though it could be shorter, frankly, made by Small Town Monsters, which is the people that brought us that wonderful Mothman of Point Pleasant documentary that like 20 minutes in, I was like, oh, so Mothman's real. (laughs) That documentary convinced us that Mothman is real. So we had high hopes for werewolves honestly but they also made we watched that one that's about like stuff that flies in illinois oh they did that one too yeah just big birds people saw in illinois yeah that one was very disappointing i because there's like in the graphic on on amazon or whatever there's a fucking pterodactyl in that (laughs) picture and i was like there's people that saw a pterodactyl i want to hear about this and then it turned out yeah it was just a bunch of people who saw big bird like slightly bigger than average birds was most of it and what and there was a tiny bit about mothman it was just like shit that flies somehow all in illinois there was that one kid that got picked up but i think that was just like a condor got a you know went the wrong direction and got real hungry so a kid i don't know didn't didn't was not a pterodactyl though it didn't do anything like otherworldly it didn't like picked up a kid and dropped it that's terrifying, but it's not like it vanished into thin air or transformed into something else or like shot fire out of its eyes. Like it just was a big bird. <laughs> like that can be explained by, I don't know, the existence of birds. <laughs> what? <laughs> birds exist. But 
I I mean, I like the idea that there are werewolves in Wisconsin. Wisconsin is, you know, close by. It would be cool if, if Samantha and I could go on like a, and maybe not a werewolf hunt. Like, I don't want to kill a werewolf, but like a werewolf sightseeing expedition <laughs> or something. <laughs> a werewolf, like, bird watch. Would your mom want to come with us or would that ruin the magic? I don't know. I was watching this going like, this doesn't seem very sexy at all. But, werewolf mowing down on some roadkill on the side yeah. of the road not so oh, also i guess spoiler this werewolf that people are seeing on bray road which is in wisconsin like the very middle of wisconsin uh does no one sees it like as a transform into a human or anything it's just the it's just like a big wolf <laughs> when is the werewolf so... a wolf is it on the full moon or is the werewolf a human on a full moon no, so a werewolf, as I understand it, and like, it turns out there's a lot more to this lore than I ever knew about like alphas and betas and shit, but... That's why I'm confused. I want to make sure I get this right. We don't want to give most, anyone misinformation like, about werewolves. The most like basic, like a cartoon, like a Scooby-Doo that had a werewolf in it is that a human got bit or scratched by a werewolf, and then when the moon is full, they become a werewolf too, and the part of it that story is like you don't remember what you do as a werewolf mm-hmm. like you're mm-hmm. you're animal and so you might kill people you might eat people whatever and then you would transform back into a human when the, the moon was no longer full and you'd be like oh shit what have i done did i miss the part of the documentary where people saw this werewolf during full moons no there was absolutely no mention <laughs> of full moons at all okay and I mean, to be fair, most there's not that much use of the word werewolf. That woman just keeps going, well, I don't think it's a werewolf. But other than, it's not like anyone's like, I saw it and I say 100% it's a werewolf. But I am disappointed, I guess is my point. Yeah, this seems like not a werewolf, but... I like... We'll get there. <laughs> I like the, like, wh- the, like, the idea, like, oh, ah, werewolf in wisconsin like that's (laughs) that's fun yeah but this documentary is actually like not really that fun not really i was not super impressed okay plus the in the plus category the last documentary that i watched for patreon the bigfoot alien (laughs) connection revealed not organized at all just like going in a million directions someone never taught that kid how to write an outline before you write a paper you know what i mean like wow where's your thesis and i the thesis i guess is bigfoot and aliens are the same but it went in a lot of directions all at once i'm not certain it 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 put forward any any (laughs) evidence that proved that thesis no it was not it was not proven to me and also i just feel like the structure of that thing was just chaos this this thing is very tightly structured with chapters yeah with chapters but also i was like after a while i was like okay this is a little much it's a little just filler there's a lot of filler but (laughs) okay let's get started we get a quote about you know how something wicked with this way comes? Well, uh-huh. it does. And it's a werewolf. <laughs> so <laughs> we get an opening shot of like a spooky study, like a spooky desk that has a, a, a fairy tale like grimoire that says the Bay Road Beast on it. 
and it opens up and it tells you a little animated story and this is the story the ancient greeks told the tale of lycan of arcadia a cruel king and father of many children a man with no time for authority figures and contempt for the gods so it was that one night in order to test the omnipotence of the great Zeus, he invited him to dinner and served him a meal he would never forget. The boiled flesh of his youngest son. Nicotamus? Sure. But <laughs> Zeus, of course, was all-knowing and straightaway restored the dead child's life. And in his revenge, Zeus cursed Lycan, damning him to wander the earth as a savage beast, the Lycan a wolf so there you go i wish they like <laughs> drew parallels to this i don't know why this isn't here other than to like bring some drama at the beginning because it has nothing to do with the actual story no it really has nothing to do with the actual story i they at, at later on we'll get to it but they sort of talk about different cultures having werewolf myths yeah, I don't really know why this one is like singled out to be at the beginning, except that they like thought it was cool, I guess. This is and not can... even if you were like, tell me a werewolf myth, no one's going to be like, well, Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> tell me a scary story. You won't believe what Zeus has been up to. Yeah, I mean, I guess you get the word like in. I don't know. Anyway, so that's what we what we open with for a little drama before we get to chapter one, a quiet place to live. Which is just literally telling you about the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. What's this author's name? I f- forgot to write Linda it Godfrey. Linda Godfrey tells us that this town doesn't look like a place that would harbor a werewolf. And I was kind of like, bitch, what does? <laughs> Which also, like, yes, it does. Like, all of those movies, I guess I've watched a couple of movies about werewolves. They have werewolves, but they're always in small towns. Yes. Creepy shit <laughs> always happens in small towns in movies. Always. You know you know where I wouldn't expect to see a werewolf? Like Dallas. <laughs> like somewhere like really sprawly and urban. Like you're driving down a like you know, just like a concrete boulevard to pull off at a Tesco. A werewolf steps out of the shadows. Yeah. No I, a Tesco. What am I talking about? A gas station? Whatever. Yeah. And then there's just like a werewolf. Like, that would be weird. I wouldn't see that. But if I'm just like, oh, you're in this quaint town and it does get foggy this time of year. It's like, yeah, bitch. Of course I expect to see a werewolf. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's where you would see a werewolf. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not really sure what she's talking about. But she says some strange things throughout. So this won't be the last time. She is, uh, I want to say an odd duck. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. Linda is the author of The Beasts of Bay Road. So we hear from her a lot because she not only coined the phrase, but she also compiled a lot of people's werewolf stories for her book, um, which I'm not going to buy because honestly, this documentary was got kind of boring and I just can't imagine reading a whole book about it. I think it. we know everything that happens in the book. Yeah. I can't imagine so she, they left anything out. No, basically. it'll just be a... A bunch of people saying, I saw a very large wolf from the road. And you go, oh, okay. Okay. In rural Wisconsin. Where, really? <laughs> this was her second book. She Her first book was a true, a true crime thing from the 20s that someone got poisoned. So we're talking about the small town of Elkhorn, which is a population of about 10,000 people. It's like exactly in the middle of Wisconsin. Um, 
it's kind of conservative and yeah it doesn't look like the type of place to harbor a werewolf whatever that means there's also they keep referring to the fact that there's a lot of hauntings in the area but i sort of feel like that's true literally anywhere yeah everywhere thinks they have a lot of hauntings i'm not sure she says something about like the topography of it's just flat i don't know what that has to do maybe it has to do with the rivers we've talked about how rivers uh oh yeah paranormal activity she doesn't mention that she mentioned something (laughs) about native americans a lot Okay, yeah. So she, this is something I wrote down that she says, a long time and special Native American presence. So this is emphasized and kind of, uh, uh, surprise, surprise, it's, a, it's problematic. I feel like maybe I harp on this too much when we're watching these things, but it's also very grating <laughs> that somehow a lot of this paranormal stuff gets racist and you're sort of like, but you're not even talking about people. (laughs) You're talking about a werewolf. You're talking about a wolf. And yet you found the time to get like racist about it. No, it's all right. They keep bringing in quote unquote native American legends without being specific about anything. And it's just a way to make it exotic or something. It's Yeah. And if there are relevant legends from this area, it would be super nice to hear from people that that's like a part of their culture and not Linda. Because, well, this, I mean, this comes up more than once in the documentary, but at some point when they're talking about legends, she's like, oh, I spoke to some Native Americans and they told me this. And that would be, that was like, well, it'd be great to hear from them. Right. Yeah. She says things like, she, you're just paraphrasing, like, that you talked, who did you talk to? Like, and are they speaking for everybody? Like, what are... I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably to say the least. We also hear a few times from Jay Bachin? Bakochin? That can't be it. Is this the animal control guy? <laughs> no, this is the paranormal investigator. Mm. And he tells us that Wisconsin is one of the hottest states for paranormal activity and that there's lots of UFO sightings. Is that true? I have no idea. I feel like New Mexico. Like, when I think of paranormal sightings, I don't think of Wisconsin. No, but I think these small town monster documentaries really like playing up that there's stuff happening in the Midwest. I suppose that's true. Bigfoot. Don't just just fly over us. Come look for a werewolf. (laughs) Um, These are, okay, this is the list of tall tales that apparently applies to, and they were just sort of talking about all of Wisconsin, I think. But there are hair-covered elves. I want to know more about those. Yeah, where is the documentary in that? Haunted abandoned buildings. Whatever. Those are a dime a dozen. A monster in Lake Winnebago. Samantha, sounds like you and I need to go check that out. Sounds like a... Phantoms on Highway 12. Encounters with ape-like creatures dating back to the mid-1800s. Can we not say Bigfoot? No, that's a pejorative. <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you? Sorry, wood apes. Oh my god, I was at this, I was down the other day and I was like, well, I'm going to stop by this vintage store, just like kind of, you know, get a little boost, get a, some some serotonin hits. And uh, they had like a poster rack and there was just a, a giant poster of Rob Lowe's face. <laughs> it was like from, from the 80s. So like a young Rob Lowe's face for like $12. And I was like, man, I bet I bet the five would want me to get this. Does $12 seem like a lot for that? Sorry, Rob Lowe. I think no. It was a pretty okay. big poster. I'm picturing a pretty small poster, like with a large Rob Lowe's face on it. 
like a tiger beat pull out. It was like a poster you would put on like a oh, door. Okay. All right. Well, 12 bucks. <laughs> and I was like, man, I bet the five would want me to get this. But also, where would I hang up a just giant poster of Rob Lowe's face? In I'm my imagining home? you walking through the door. Matt goes, hey, how's the antique store? What'd you find? Anything good? You just pull. Just you just unravel this Rob Lowe face. You know what? He would not be surprised at all. And if I was like still a teenager, I absolutely would have bought it. And I would have thought it was funny for some reason. I can't even really articulate, but just so you guys know, I didn't buy it. I wish we were talking about the low files right now. I know. I I mean, always. Okay. So uh, here's other things that are in Wisconsin. These ape-like creatures that you should not call Bigfoots, Samantha. A handful of cults. <laughs> I love how they put cults in here. I don't understand how that fits with anything other than like they try and make it demonic for some reason. A handful of cults. I was like, is there a state in the union that hasn't had a handful of cults? <laughs> is that that's not unique to I Wisconsin. also love that way of quantifying a handful of cults. Well, it's like a, a, a sprinkle of cults here, a handful of cults there. <laughs> I got these I got this stack of used books. Um, like handed down to me recently and one of them had a uh, bookmark left in it from this like occult store in London which is just so random but the like slogan of it said probably the best selection of crystals in London (laughs) and I was like that's so not American where we would have been like the absolute best even though it you know if even if it was shitty would be like best store in town (laughs) And this is like mm, probably the best selection. I of really crystals. appreciate that mm, honesty. Mm, probably this is mm, we've had a handful of cults, satanic murders, and then they refer to the Slender Man stabbing, and I was like, okay, that's an actual event that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> First of all, that was real. That was real. That's two preteen uh, girls with some mental illness. That's a, a living person that literally got stabbed in that. No, it's situation it's almost dies. Oh my god. Okay. That's the end of chapter one. That was just a little thing to tell you what we're talking about, which is the town of Elkhorn. Oh, did you tell us how okay. Elkhorn got got its name? No, because it's boring. <laughs> but why don't you why don't you tell us? These two guys sitting in their kitchen tell us that Elkhorn got its name because <laughs> someone, I don't know when, coming back from the West, uh saw an Elkhorn in a tree. Like, not there's not elks here. There's literally, like, one time one guy saw one elkhorn, and that became the name of their town. That's it. That's the whole story. Someone saw an elkhorn in a tree. How boring this place is. (laughs) So keep that in mind. That took up a whole five minutes of this documentary, telling us how elkhorn Uh, got his name. Someone saw an elkhorn (laughs) in a tree. Uh, Chapter two is a road called Bray. And it's... Okay, this is the whole thing. Bray Road is just outside of town, bordered by farmland. It's about four miles long. It was named for the Bray family who moved there in the late 1890s and had a farm. Real disappointing this didn't have anything to do with donkeys, gotta say. (laughs) I mean, yeah, maybe the family name is related to donkeys, but I'm sorry. How is Elfie? Elfie's cuter than ever. Show mascot. <laughs> Elfie, um, uh, mascot of the show, mini donkey. He's cute as ever, he's fat as ever, eating all the treats that all the neighbors stop and give him. <laughs> now that it's summer, That's people awesome. are out walking, and I swear to God, they bring treats with them on their walks to give the donkey. 
That's amazing. And good for him. I mean, yeah. Bad in those eyelashes to get those treats. Uh, just a warning, if you were planning to drive out to Elkhorn and go to Bray Road yourself, you can drive up and down the road, but all of that land is owned by farmers, it's private, and they'll probably just shoot you yeah. if you're, like, wandering around out there. They, I don't think they take kindly to trespassing, so. I don't think so. Linda wants us to know that this road was once a trail used by Native Americans, and I was kind of like, yes, Linda, like, all roads. That's, like how roads got started <laughs> they weren't the always for cars yeah it was like the people that were here first would like you know walk to where there was water and useful stuff and then people got horses and then they got cars oh my god so i was like linda shut up <laughs> we are like okay. 10 minutes into this thing you're already telling linda to shut up it's not a good sign well well i she should a little more. <laughs> she should, she should be book on the werewolf list. <laughs> yeah, how racist do you think that oh book God. is? I can't imagine. Think about it. All right, so now we're on to chapter three: the werewolf file. <laughs> okay, in December of 1991, it came to Linda's attention while she was working as a reporter for the local paper that there were a couple werewolf sightings in her hometown of Elkhorn. And that's when we meet this county animal welfare officer, John Fredrickson. John is an interesting dude because he looks like the most average Wisconsin dad guy, but is clearly, after you hear him talk for a bit, quite strange. He's a little strange. He kind of started this whole werewolf thing. This is kind of his fault. This is his fault. And again, I think Samantha solved this in like two seconds of Googling, so... (laughs) I'm kind of not sure what his problem is. I realize there wasn't Google in 91, but also he's the county welfare officer. So kind of what his job is, is if like, I don't know, you suspected your neighbor of animal hoarding or animal abuse, you would call this guy. He's the guy that like enforces laws that apply in the county for animal welfare. But people kept calling him about werewolves. And he eventually connect- connected with Linda about it. And he literally had a like Manila file folder marked werewolf. And I don't think John was expecting Linda to see that folder and take it the way that she did. This is what was funny to me watching this documentary is I'm like, Linda calls him a, a, a government official. She's like, this government official had a file called werewolf. And I was like, he's just a county government employee who just wrote yeah. something on a fi- of course it's funny of course he wrote werewolf on his manila envelope he's just a guy writing on a manila envelope but this isn't a conspiracy <laughs> but she saw the it's file like- and was like this is a news story we got were- werewolves yeah we've got a county official with a file marked werewolf that's it's news. Just a manila envelope um, where he wrote down people who called him and saw and a me- big dog and thought it was something strange like he had a put something on it would he should he put like dog man or weird dog <laughs> weird wolf thing like it's not an official document it's just a manila envelope and he wrote werewolf yeah. on it but it's kind of set this whole thing in motion yeah the werewolf file. i mean <laughs> like yeah 
also just John's just a little bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. So of course you again, of course you wrote werewolf on that folder. <laughs> and Linda is taking it like very sincerely in a way that is not a, really appropriate. So we get we we hear some of now we hear about some of people's sightings. So one is that a large creature jumped out in front of their car. Okay. It's they're all like that. None of them are very interesting. So he had received calls from people saying that they saw something but they didn't know what it was, but if they had to describe it the best way would be a werewolf. And the reason for that is cuz they were seeing something that had the head of a wolf or maybe a German shepherd, but it was very large and that also sometimes it could it would stand or run on its hind legs and people described almost humanoid hands with claws that it's taller than any person, that it had a long snout, that its legs were bent kind of like a dog's, that it was ferocious. People describe this thing as anywhere from five to seven feet tall, depending on who you're talking to, which is a big range. <laughs> Linda was like, it's very consistent. Everyone says five to seven feet tall. And you're like, that actually kind of makes a big difference, Linda. Yeah. Oh, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so one story is that a mother was walking down the street with her children and a deer runs across the road and then behind it is being chased by a large creature that's on its hind legs. So Linda would go and interview these witnesses that had made reports to John and while she couldn't confirm their stories, she did think their witnesses were credible. These weren't people that she thought, I don't know, were mentally ill or just trying to get attention for some reason. She spoke with them and were like, yeah, they really saw something. And they don't want, like, nobody of these people really wanted to go, I saw a werewolf. They were like, look, I saw something. It scared the bejesus out of me. If I had to call it something, I guess I would call it a werewolf. Right. Because it looks like a dog, but it's on two legs. Yeah. Okay. Now we get to chapter four. Emergence of a beast. (laughs) I don't know who made these chapter names. Do you think they coincide with Linda's book? I mean, we'll never know because we're not going to read it, but. (laughs) Yeah. No, don't know. Don't care. No, I'm assuming the director or the editor did, but also emergence of a beast does sound like something Linda would write. (laughs) So, all right. We got this story reenacted for us, but I don't find it credible because of the date. So on Halloween night, (laughs) 1991. Doris Gibson had what would become the first publicly recorded sighting of the Beast of Bray Road. Her story led to a lash of reports from around the county. She was a senior in high school. She was driving down the road and she heard a muffled thump. And she was worried that she had run over an animal. So she pulled over and she got out and stopped. And what she saw was something very large that started running towards her. So she jumps back into her car and the whatever it was scraped the trunk of her car as she drove off. Okay, the reenactment of this particular sighting is legitimately scary. The This documentary is bizarre because the reenactments are so wildly different from, yes. from scene to scene. This one, actually scary, well done, kind of made my heart jump a little bit. And then later in the documentary, we have some of the silliest CGI I have ever seen in my life. And we watch Unsolved Mysteries for this podcast. <laughs> some of them are animated some of them are acted out the ones that are animated are not always in the same style which is weird and different from the mothman one which had very creepy consistent animations for the stories in that documentary this one is a little bit yeah more all over the place um i mean okay look 
no offense to Doris, but it's fucking Halloween. <laughs> like, if there was going to be a day where someone would be dressed up like a werewolf and pranking you, I wonder if that day would be Halloween mm, night. Interesting. Like, okay. Or, okay, whatever. So we also hear from Milwaukee teen Tom Britcha, which this is shown on like an old TV that's playing in a field. <laughs> I don't understand. This is what I'm talking about with the weird reenactment. This isn't a reenactment. It's just like a style, stylistic choice. I don't really understand this at all. It's, it's creepy. I guess it kind of makes you feel like it's in the past. I guess. It's not even a real happened. TV in a field, though. It's like a CGI TV in a CGI yeah. field. It's very silly. <laughs> Yeah, it would have worked better if they had done it analog. But he says that they were driving home on a Saturday in late July or early August. It was extremely foggy with low visibility. He's, like, coming back from a wedding reception. He's driving a couple of friends in the car. And all of a sudden, they begin to smell a foul older. He said, like, a skunk. Okay. Has anyone yeah. ever driven through the country? It's not yeah. that unusual to have a skunk smell in your car. Yeah, I'm going to guess that that was probably a skunk. Probably. But then, probably a like, out of the fog, he sees a large hand sticking out towards the road. And he, like, just a hand. And he describes it as hairy, whitish gray with black streaks. And it reached out and scratched his car. That is creepy. I will give him that. It's creepy. It's creepy. He says that not a day goes by that he doesn't think about it because it scared the hell out of him. Well, it sounds scary. Not sure it sounds sorry, like a werewolf, Tom. but. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Okay. Now we hear from Lori and Drezzy, who was referred to earlier, but like nobody explained who that was or why they were talking about her, which is a poor editing choice, but. We her story that she was driving home from the bar that she managed when she noticed something in a ditch by the side of the road, and that something was crouched down by the side of the road eating roadkill, and then like looked up at her like. <laughs> she then went to do research at the library to and looked at a bunch of wolf photos, and none of them looked right. So she went. This is what started the werewolf file. She went and talked to John, the county animal guy, and apparently. Okay, I hate this. Is I hate this. While they were talking, books started to fly off the shelves. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that information. I think that's totally. What are they implying? Unre unrelated. That it, because it's like magic, they're not supposed to be talking okay. about it or, or something. Like it's, it's cursed. This is the this is the part where I was like, okay, I think this werewolf thing is a little bit silly, but I do think these people legitimately saw something because if you live in rural Wisconsin, you see some. It's not that unusual to see some animal eating roadkill on the side of the road. It's not going to freak you out. It's not going to cause you to the next day go to the fucking library and start doing research on what you no. saw, or and then go talk to the animal control guy. So at this point in the documentary, I really was like, okay, these people are seeing something strange. I agree. I don't think there's really any we'll hear a few more stories from people and other than this book flying thing none of it sounds paranormal like it just sounds like it's an animal but I do buy that this is a lot of people that come forward to say this and a lot of them get like mocked right. so there's really like no I don't know what advantage there would be to lying about it and people seem like they're freaked out so and yeah so, and i'm assuming people in this area have seen wolves and coyotes and yeah all sorts of shit so 
I do think it's something and it's odd. I just don't know that it's like from another realm. <laughs> but now we're to chapter five from the shadows. So Linda was also the like papers cartoonist at the time. And of course a she drawing, was. <laughs> a drawing of a werewolf ran in the paper that she made. And that generated a lot of interest, according to Linda. <laughs> the paper thought. <laughs> the paper so thought that the interest. Well, I didn't. I didn't independently research that. I mean, we've seen these drawings. So. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? They're fine. They're like something that would be in your high school paper. They're like, eh, okay, that's a werewolf. Sure. You you bought a pen. You put it to paper. I see a werewolf. So the paper thought the interest would die out after a couple weeks of local jokes, but actually the story grew bigger and bigger. And then they referred to the local PD making silver bullets, and I'm not sure if that was a joke or not. (laughs) Did they actually spend... Did they show a stock image of a silver bullet? I don't know. Maybe. Did they spend, like... Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me, but... Police departments are so overfunded. They're like, yes, we should make some silver bullets. And then that actually happened. As a joke, because people are seeing werewolves. What's funny to me is this paper thought that this would die out. Like, what other exciting thing has happened in this town that is more interesting than people are seeing a werewolf? Yeah, what has happened here ever? As someone who lives in a semi-rural kind of small town, I can tell you if everyone started seeing werewolves, it would be on the front page of the paper for weeks. Okay, I'm from the the suburbs of Chicago, and growing up, when I was in high school, this guy, like, burnt down a church in my town and a couple other houses, and every time I'm back in town, guess what we talk about? That time the guy burned down a church. That was 20-some years ago now, and you know what? That's going to be true for the rest of my life, because what else is going on, Right? They're like, yeah, people People will go back to talking about who has the largest squash this year. The county fair. Okay. So witnesses began to wish that they hadn't come forward because people were making jokes about them. <laughs> um, we hear from Scott Bray. He says he saw a German shepherd-like beast in his backyard and that it was very muscular. So maybe that's where the like romance <laughs> part comes in. Very muscular. <laughs> I wrote that down with an explanation point. Very muscular. Uh, someone named Bristle Gast also saw a creature on Bray Road walking briefly on two legs before dropping to all fours. Another sighting occurred on broad daylight of the beast chasing a deer. Mm-hmm. It's um, like werewolves do. Yeah. Yeah. Also, do werewolves chase deer? I'm not really sure what werewolves do. I think they accidentally eat humans and then feel really bad about it. That's my impression. Okay. So now this goes off the rails a little bit more. Oh, oh my God, God, Samantha. Hold on one second. That's sorry, no, that's, that's, that's the beast. Werewolf. That's the beast of Bray Road. It's come for you. I'm going to let him out of this room before he makes more noise. Two seconds later, he wants to come back in, I'm sure. <laughs> well, that's what the beast of Bray Road is like. <laughs> Just annoying. <laughs> Yeah, that's why people can't stop talking about it. They're so annoyed. Okay, so this is when things go off the rails a little bit. When we hear that there are some reports from decades earlier. One is from adjacent Jefferson County. A newspaper editor called to say that his dad saw the beast in 1936. Whew, here we go. (laughs) 
he at the time was a night watchman for St. Coletta Institute, a Catholic institution for special needs care. And they, this, <laughs> there are some holes in this story. So there's just like stuff I wrote with a question mark. Like they had preserved ancient burial grounds, question mark. Mm, yeah. <laughs> one night he saw something standing on top of one of the mounds with a canine head, very large and digging furiously. I guess he just like ran off and then it was there the next night and it stood up and it started speaking a proto-human language. <laughs> yep, you heard that right, folks. And it said Gadara, which is a place in the Bible where Jesus cast demons out of a man. Uh-huh. And apparently the grave that the beast had been digging on was of a priest who had had problems after banishing a demon in an exorcism, which attached to him. Okay. Yep. And Linda Linda calls this, it's just very, very strange happenings. Yeah, Linda, it is. <laughs> okay, so I think that's the least realistic story that we hear. It's also not quite in the same area and it's also way way earlier so i kind of don't see it as connected to any of this but someone did call linda and say hey um so my dad used to tell us this story because he's unwell (laughs) (laughs) and that got like probably reported in the newspaper (laughs) wow chapter six this is okay. Okay, at this point, the documentary is like, this is not going to be long enough. Most people just saw like a weird giant wolf eating a deer. I wonder if I can, our listeners can guess what comes next. It's the devil comes to Elkhorn. <laughs> That's right. It's satanic panic time from some people that have clearly never heard of satanic panic. So now my notes just say, what if the beast is actually the devil? Why would the devil just chase deer and eat roadkill? Uh, yeah, in the devil, Elkhorn, Wisconsin. If I'm picturing the devil as like a man, he's like he's like dining well, right? He has like fine foods and wines, and is like he's crouched over a dead raccoon <laughs> on the side of Elkhorn, <laughs> Wisconsin. I would think he was like a bacchanal, like he's like you know gorging himself on on the finer things before an orgy, not yeah, eating in a dirty ditch, just dead old, <laughs> gross. Yeah, right. Possums. But the I like that the narrator of this documentary says the connection to the dark arts may seem ludicrous to some. <laughs> well, I'm some. I guess I'm some. But they're insistent that there were satanic cult meetings held in the wooded areas of the county. But when did this take place? Oh, in the 80s and 90s. Okay. Well, 91... <laughs> That's the 90s. Uh, but that's also like just satanic panic times. I don't know. No, the devil came to Bray, to, to Bray Road, Liz. That animal guy, John, says that he was called to the scene of several animal mutilations that he alone saw as ritualistic. And the police department were like, no, these are just dead animals. <laughs> like, you we're in the middle of nowhere. Animals die and then bugs eat their eyeballs. It's not satanic. Yeah. Or their their genitals or the fleshy parts. Yeah. Those go first. It's gross, but it's, you know, the circle of life you heard lions tell you about. Um, John was upset that one location was bulldozed, 
quote, before a thorough investigation could be completed, which just means that people were like, oh, my God, John, these are just dead animals. Someone like ditched here. It's not Satanists, which I like that this police department was like, dude, no. Uh -uh." He did receive an anonymous phone call tipping him off to cult activity. And I just wrote down this man has never heard of Satanic Panic. Is that a little outside of his job description? monitoring cults isn't he supposed to be like checking up on the guy down the street who doesn't quite feed his cows enough (laughs) i mean yes but i'm sort of wondering if there's not enough for him to do and he gets a little bored and is making his job kind of more interesting i mean i guess if there really was a cult and that cult was like ripping the heads off of chickens then that would come under his job assuming that's illegal i guess i don't know if it is you're right the connection is the animal mutilations yes so he's he would be looking into it for the animal abuse aspects but i also think he's just trying to like jazz up his life like i think he is having a bit of a midlife crisis and it's like no no i'm not just this like because his job sounds sad is he just gonna go out to a bunch of like farms and yeah make sure people are aren't kicking their dogs like that's grim this is way more interesting hunting down cults that are werewolves yeah he's trying to he's trying to be molder and i'm not sure that it's really called for but he claims that people would come from all over the world to take place in satanic ceremonies in the woods of nowhere wisconsin all right sure john We now hear from David Floyd, an English professor who looks embarrassed to be in this documentary. And he tells us that the wolf is a symbol of greed and consumption. I mean, I guess. To who? I see it. I see it more of a symbol of like I feel like in like Western European fairy tales, it's always like of predatory. It's really a symbol of like men right yeah if you think of like little red riding hood going through the woods like what is the wolf isn't that like men i would think so anyway that they're chaotic they threaten the squ- the status quo okay apparently that was the end of that chapter chapter seven hidden in time okay this is when we again i feel like this is just fluff they're like guess what other people have talked about werewolves and they say through history we find Legends involving canine creatures. Are you telling me werewolves weren't invented in Elkhorn, Wisconsin? No, apparently not. And that ancient Egypt had Anubis, a jackal-headed god of the dead, who decided who would pass over. Is Anubis a werewolf? No, is a jackal. (laughs) Does that have anything to do with this? I mean, I guess having the body of a man and the head of a beast. Not a werewolf. It's a little bit of a stretch. In the Bible, a king... Okay, good luck saying this, Liz. A king named Neberkinzer. People that know their Bible... Is this Gilgamesh? Is this a Gilgamesh? No, we're not there yet. I'm not bad up on my Bible stories either. (laughs) Neberkinzer was exiled and cursed to live like a wolf. And then in Norse mythology, you get the saga of the Volsungs that I also said wrong, probably very, very wrong, which is a father and son who discover these magical pelts that would transform the wearer into a wolf for 10 days. But eventually the wolf, I mean, I'm sorry, eventually the father turns on his own son because he can't like control himself as a wolf. 
So many of these stories are about loss of control or loss, and they say that they occur in nearly every culture, but that is not, that might be true, but it's not demonstrated in this documentary where we really don't see literally anything from the Southern Hemisphere. But we do talk about Gilgamesh, <laughs> which you know, Samantha brought up. Represents every culture. Yeah, you know, every culture, Gilgamesh, which includes Inkadu, a wild hairy man who lived with the animals who Gilgamesh fights and he becomes his servant. I don't see how any of this is real, other than they're like, <laughs> they've just pulled out stories that have wolves in them. They do also mention skinwalkers, which again problematic the whole thing is just oh yeah we haven't gotten into that in my notes but yes oh yeah i don't know my thoughts on this are that this is pointless and clearly filler <laughs> and has very little to do with the actual story because the wolf on bray road the beast of bray road does basically nothing it runs around and eats some <laughs> and eats stuff and it stares at people yeah you know like animals do it doesn't chase um... anyone down i guess that one woman thinks it charged her car but like it scratched some guy's car, maybe. It doesn't do anything doesn't that really any of anything. these stories, <laughs> any of the wolf people in the stories do. I mean, no people have been hurt or certainly not killed. Um, I think the implication is supposed to be there wouldn't be all these stories if they weren't real, Samantha. Yeah, that's the only I explanation. I think that's supposed to be the implication. So we, okay. So Linda tells us that even though she created the phrase Beast of Bray Road for her article and it stuck around since then, she wants to clarify that that does not mean there's only one thing on one road. There's more like, than one road in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Don't be as literal as Linda, people. And that she thinks it might be connected to the dog man in Michigan. Except I think the dog man is supposed to talk. Well, that one guy's dad heard the a dog man talk someone talk not even in elkhorn but nearby the only time we're hearing anything about the beast of bray road talking is the story from the 30s where he talks in a proto proto human language and says that bible place otherwise people are just like yeah he eats roadkill uh-huh, uh-huh. do you think it's so- a pterodactyl <laughs> i wish <laughs> But Samantha, where did all these myths originate from? People were accused of being... (laughs) Why would I know that? You're like, I'm not some folklore professor. I don't know. People were accused of of being werewolves in the Middle Ages, and much like witches would be executed. And then a famous story of that is from Germany in 1589, the werewolf of Bedburg. At least this is actually about a werewolf this time. Peter Stubb uh, had fangs okay and said to desire human blood he claimed to have killed 16 people and he was put on trial and found guilty oh. there is also the beast of je Vendin, uh-huh in france where from june 1764 to june 1767 in southern france there were reports of over 200 giant wolf attacks half of them were lethal lethal where victims were disemboweled, clothes were taken off, throats cut, people were beheaded. This is where the silver bullet thing comes from. It was apparently put down when it was ma- it was shot with bullets made from a silver chalice that had been blessed by a priest. Hmm. But that's all we hear about that. I don't know 
how much is known about those stories or how accurate they are. Then we get to what Samantha was talking about, that in the Americas, indigenous folklore involving werewolves. This, the, 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 document, the documentary tells us that it has been ignored by many paranormal researchers. Absolutely fucking has not. <laughs> Which is not true. And I also wrote, not by the X-Files, though which has an episode about that. Okay. So again, I have not looked into how true these stories are. And I'm always very skeptical about this and this paranormal documentaries, but this is what they said. They said that the Mohawk believed that some tribe members could transform into other animals and they were known as the Limican. And then there is the uh, Navajo story of shapeshifters, which were skinwalkers. And According to this English professor, who again, this is like, doesn't seem like his area of expertise, says that that would happen as punishment to someone who would use their magic for evil instead of healing. I don't, man, I don't know. But I'm going to admit that I don't know, unlike these people. And yeah, this is when Linda tells us that she's, <laughs> she spoke to some Native Americans and they told her that they are not common animals, but rather very old creatures that existed before humans and came from the spirit world. And I was kind of like, where are the people you talk to, Linda? I would much rather hear from them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always feel so bad talking about this stuff because I just don't, I just don't, I'm just ignorant and I don't know. Well, it is clearly not handled well in this documentary. Yeah, I just, more research would be helpful. Linda has no business talking about this and neither do we. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Like, if this is actually relevant to the story, which seems like a stretch, then we should hear from those actual people. But didn't have time for that, I guess. Chapter 8. The Beast is Back. People and news outlets start showing up to drive down Bray Road. And it was even a segment on Inside Edition, Samantha. Oh. Then in 2003, Linda released her book, The Beast of Bray Road, Tailing Wisconsin's Werewolf. This created a wave of new sightings, almost all taking place at night. Also, at this point, they say the werewolf has a distinctive sneer. Okay. And we <laughs> and we get a very poorly animated segment of the werewolf like running alongside a car. Do you remember this one? Yeah, this is probably the silliest CGI <laughs> that goes on so long. It was supposedly the the beast kept pace with a car that was tri traveling 55 miles an hour for um a mile. if this is actually what the werewolf looks like i don't know how it can stand upright because its hips do not look strong <laughs> enough they're so narrow i certainly yeah, don't see how yeah. it, could, it could run 50 miles per hour on those legs maybe that's the paranormal yeah, part maybe. it's like damn werewolf you really skipped leg day it's all torso there's no, like, how do you hold up your body with those puny little It's basically legs? an upside-down triangle. Yeah. And we learn that people, like, more recent witnesses are less likely to come forward because they don't want to be ridiculed. And I have to kind of, I accept and believe that. <laughs> uh, yes. But why? Why was that its own chapter? That's what I mean with the organization of this thing. Like, I appreciate that they put some effort into making their ideas coherent. But then it's like, what was that? What was the point of that? Well, now we go to chapter nine. Dog slash man. Where Linda says that basically everyone describes the same thing. Five to seven feet tall. Head like a wolf or German shepherd. 
could it be a mutation? Then we learn that Linda does not, as Samantha pointed out, know how evolution works. And she says that maybe there's something about the area that makes it advantageous for it to stand on its hind legs. There's something about Elkhorn, Wisconsin, that <laughs> evolutionary produces werewolves. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Well, it's just also like, over what period of time, Linda? Like, that doesn't happen quickly. That's a very long process. Linda has very specific ideas about how, like, the legs evolved and shit <laughs> that make no sense. Yeah, I didn't write all that down. It was on I think... and on. I'm like, Linda, none of this is none of this is how any of that works. I mean, I know you're all surprised to hear that I'm not a scientist, and I did actually pretty poorly in my high school biology class. But yeah, this doesn't really ring true to me. I. I like that she's trying to come up with a like real world explanation. She's not discounting what people have seen. And she's going, okay, I don't think it's a werewolf. What is another explanation? And then I was at this point, I was like, well, maybe it's just like a deformed wolf. Like, I don't, maybe there's a, there's some type of wolf that can get really big. I don't know. Maybe it's just a wolf with fucked up legs. (laughs) Maybe it's like Satan himself. I mean, okay. They literally now show us footprints in the snow, and I'm like, that is just a dog. Like, that is just a big. Some dogs are really fucking big. Or an actual wolf. Or a a, a half wolf, half dog. Sure. Someone's Why big not? German Shepherd. You know when you see a dog and you go, oh my god, that thing's the size of a horse. <laughs> One of those dogs. So now we hear a lot from this guy, Ricky Sanchez, who has frequently had beasts on his property. Oh, God. This is the new guy in town with the hayfield and the camera? Um, or is this someone else? No, this is okay, someone else. This is, a young- <laughs> this is a younger guy. He lives 100 miles north of Bray Road. He started seeing them in 2017. 100 first- miles north? How is this yeah. the beast of Bray Road if it's being seen 100 miles north of Bray Road? <laughs> Uh, Samantha, he sees them all the time. They're all on right. his property constantly. Sounds like the beast of this dude's property. <laughs> what is that? What is the title? <laughs> the beast of this dude's property. Ricky Sanchez. He wants to tell the us beast that... beast of Ricky Sanchez's property. Okay, at this oh. point, I was clearly getting like a little bit tired because my notes now just say like, the beast walks towards him and then backs up. <laughs> little bit more to it than that i don't think there was (laughs) i don't think there was um during his first encounter the beast walks towards him and then backs up (laughs) often sees glowing eyes watching him his neighbor saw a dog man watching him at 2 a.m when he took out the trash in another sighting it quote looked scared Uh uh-huh uh-huh. Do are werewolves frightened? Is that a characteristic no! of a werewolf? Aren't they ferocious monsters? <laughs> yes, they're not cowering in a ditch and running away and just watching you with like huge eyes, hoping you don't see them. No, <laughs> this doesn't sound like werewolf behavior at all. Linda tells us that many people feel like the beast is trying to convey a message, such as "I am better than you." <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out this werewolf is just a big douche. <laughs> what kind of fucking message is that? <laughs> oh my god. Now I, this is just what popped into my mind, but I'm picturing myself at one 
one of my favorite Chinese restaurants opening up the fortune cookie and inside it just says, I am better than you. Which if I ever got that, I would get that professionally framed. That would be so amazing. Like, huh, weird fortune. What you don't know is that the fortune cookie factory has is staffed by werewolves. They're typing out the little fortunes. Liz, we have a message for you. Oh, let me see what this is. Oh, I am better than you. Amazing. I think she had some other examples of messages like I'm gonna eat you or but they were all like <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't know. They didn't seem like important things to convey to me. Fucking pretentious werewolves. <laughs> um okay, so we get back to Ricky who says that the beast is not paranormal, that it's an animal that eats and breathes. It's not you, like- Ricky. <laughs> he doesn't think it's coming from like another dimension or something. But he does think it might be capable of things that we think of as impossible. Why do you fucking explain that then, Ricky? (laughs) We just haven't discovered it yet. All right. But when it saw you, it ran away. (laughs) Yeah. Now we get to the old guy you were talking about, Lee Hample. I hate this guy. (laughs) Who is a farmer. He's new to the area. It seems like he didn't talk to anyone for years. Like years. Well, he showed he up at the in- door and wants them to work in his field. Yeah, he like literally moves into town. And I know that he's like not really ever gonna see his neighbors. He has like a lot of land, but he literally like never introduces himself or anything until one day he needs to move some hay or some shit, and he just goes and's like, "Come help me." And I would be like, "Bitch, who are you?" No. <laughs> what? But of course, farmers are nicer than me, so they like came and helped him. And that's when someone told him that the beast lived on his property and it had been seen by many farmers. And of course, he thought the guy was pulling his leg, probably for him like not being neighborly and then demanding free work. But he decided, and this guy told him that it was seen eating a raccoon. So he like tossed a dead raccoon in a hole. He was he driving did. along, saw a dead raccoon, stopped his truck or whatever, grabbed it and brought it back to his house for an experiment. Oh, you know it was a truck. You know it was, like, one of those really big pickup trucks? Like, unnecessarily big, but it doesn't actually, like, haul that much. It just has a, like, really big front. You might. Someone might know what I'm talking about. Okay. It's all for show. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So, yeah. So, this guy brings a dead raccoon home, as you do. And he threw him in a hole. And then he later found that it was split open and its intestines are gone. And I was like, yeah, something ate it. I don't know if this is a city guy or what, but he's the continually surprised. Of life. He's continually surprised that dead animals in a field get like don't just stay pristine. Like I don't know what he's expecting to happen to these things. I feel like I'm a very city mouse person and yet I completely understand that if I threw a dead raccoon in a hole, an animal would eat it. He's later surprised he throws another. He does this multiple times for years. He's bringing dead animals to his property and seeing what happens. He's surprised when they are moved, not even a long ways, like a few feet. Yeah, Coyote dragged it out of your hole and ate it. Okay. And because this guy is so ridiculous, he sets up cameras to see what is happening to these animals, which is like the other animals are eating them. 
Except we don't even see that. We He sets up this camera in his field for, I think he said four, four fucking years. years. And we see fuck all in these cameras. We see some birds. No. We see some mist. Samantha, he captured other unexplained phenomena such as Not strange lights. fucking showed in the documentary. Strange lights and red eyes. It said so. Eyes in the woods. Wow. We don't see anything. He has four years worth of footage. We don't see fucking no. anything. And they're like strange phenomena that they want you to think as a UFO is literally like a blur. Unlike a, a black blob in the sky. It could be a bird that just got caught at the right angle. You didn't see the wing. It's like a high resolution camera. And we're supposed to think <laughs> this blur. It's not the 90s anymore. The, all those UFO documentaries, it used to be like, yeah, well, that camera quality is real crap, but that's because cameras are terrible. At this point, you're like, why is it just a blur? <laughs> what I find so annoying about them showing these these photos that he has is that there's the documentarians clearly know there's nothing there in these photos. And so instead of just like showing them, they do like these camera tricks where they, where they like flash them on the screen. They pan past them really fast. They'll show just like the corner of a photo. It's so annoying and kind of gave me a headache. I was like, just don't show us any of these stupid photos. There's nothing there. Yeah, Except the I'm mist. Not... The mist was like the big reveal. Yeah, the... Oh my god. Yeah, when a deer carcass was moved, the cameras picked up a weird mist, so you can't see what's moving it. But also, I don't know, mist exists? It's like weird mist. It's kind of purpley, but who knows what that is? I don't know. It's not a werewolf. What if it's, what if while a, a werewolf is transforming, there's mist so you don't see it naked? Maybe. So you don't see like a naked dude. Yeah, that's smart. Um, <laughs> what if it's, what if, what if werewolves are very prude? So they have evolved. It was advantageous to them to evolve to produce a like purple mist so you mm. wouldn't see their, so you wouldn't see their junk. The science checks out. You know what I think? <laughs> This is the point in the documentary where we were watching at the same time, and you sent me a text that just said the werewolf alien connection revealed. Yeah. <laughs> because they're clearly implying that they think that this is an alien, that the werewolf is an alien or like from another dimension or something. That's and for terrible. some reason, it's here to steal deer carcasses yeah. from this guy's field. Yeah. Just this guy. Just, just, just deer carcasses around Bray Road. Because you know what? He's better than this guy. The werewolf is better than this guy's deer carcasses. Okay, so when this deer got moved during the mist, he, like, saw these tracks, and he became convinced that that was the beast, and he, like, I don't know, ran into this other field. Oh, my God. Is this where he went all over town to tons of different universities showing people these tracks? He went to the Field Museum? Yeah. And they were like, this is nothing. This isn't even a track. It's just a lump. (laughs) Yeah, someone was like, this is not even a track. It looks like it was made with a wood with wood. Like a wooden uh, stick. <laughs> someone tells him that there that it might be an abnormal coyote. I think probably the like <laughs> to get quality, him to go away. The quality of the casts he made is probably quite bad. Oh, they show him. It's very bad. It doesn't look so like anything. They're just like, these are blobs. I don't know how to help you. I'm also just imagining him just showing up at the Field Museum, like, no appointment with anyone. Like, who can I talk to about these tracks? And people just being like, oh, my God, there's one of these guys every day. <laughs> like, please stop. When I worked at an art museum, this guy once showed up with a bunch of swords and was like, who can I talk to about these swords? <laughs> and I was like, this is a contemporary art museum. So no one... <laughs> 
no one can appraise your swords for free. Sorry, this is an antiques roadshow. Yeah, so many things, so many weird things happened at that place that I completely forgot. Oh yeah, that one time a guy showed up with an arm full of swords. (laughs) Anyway, all right, we're almost done with this. There's just chapter eleven. Better off left alone. We learn that Elkhorn has done little to embrace this legend, which honestly is a bummer because I kind of would have liked to go and get some t-shirts and shit. Yeah, this is where they've really gone wrong. They need a werewolf museum. They need a werewolf festival. They need to trademark this shit. Get some merch. Bring the podcasters in. Yes. Yeah. Learn from Point Pleasant. People are going nuts for that statue. Make a statue of a werewolf with a tight ass put that in the center of town and like let every little coffee shop and whatever sell you know i drank coffee with the beast of bray road (laughs) mugs right and get some pump some dough into your local economy Mm -hmm. but then at the end it tells us the beast could be anywhere it could be in your yard right now oh no and i was like okay judging you thinking it's better than you (laughs) get with its distinctive sneer um should we rate this or something i i think it's oh oh okay wait let's rate it and then let's talk about your theory so i guess i would give this a two yeah i wasn't a big fan honestly you said something that really rings true which is that it's not very long but it's too long yeah it really is this could have been half an hour i see why it was just like a segment in some (laughs) history channel show because there's not really anything here people just saw something weird it wasn't even doing much the stories are not nearly as compelling as the Mothman documentary. I also feel like you hear from less actual eyewitnesses and basically mostly from Linda. And I'm just not impressed with her in general. <laughs> I'm sorry, Linda. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't really recommend it. Nah. I, I kind of wish I had done something else with my hour and six minutes. Well. Wow. Like, look at my phone. You know, like, not, not even something productive. <laughs> but while we were watching this, Samantha said to me her theory of what this is. And I have to say I agree. My theory, which I don't know why someone who specializes in animals and lives in rural, rural Wisconsin, this never occurred to him but or anyone else, it seems like. But I'm pretty sure this is just a mangy bear. And you're going, what? That's not right. Okay. Take a second. We're going to pause for a second. Google mange bear. The picture that comes up, you're going to go, oh, that looks like a fucking werewolf. (laughs) Because that's what happened to me last night when Samantha said this. And I was like, well, would it be right in the face? You know? And then I looked at it and went, that looks exactly like a werewolf. (laughs) Because if the bear's fur is not full, it's much thinner. It's much thinner. A lot of like... You know, and it, maybe it wasn't mange. Maybe it was just sick, emaciated. Maybe it had rabies or something. That's why it was chasing people. But if it's lost a lot of its hair, too, it looks creepy. Especially yeah. if it's lost a lot of hair in its face. It kind of loses a bear look and does look a little more dog-like. So the reason I thought about this is because the chupacabra, which when I was growing up wa- watching monster documentaries on the History Channel, little baby Samantha, chupacabra, favorite, favorite cryptid. But that's always attributed to just a dog with mange, which seems very likely because they look very creepy, kind of scary. If you see one at night, just like running around, you're probably going to be freaked out and think it's You're going to be like, what the fuck it's is a, that? It's a monster. But a dog doesn't make sense in this case because it's too big. There's no way you would see a dog, even a big dog, and think it was seven feet tall. Um, well, and, and then- they 
like stand on its hind legs but can't run on its yeah hind legs. and then that's the other thing that it, it disproves that that a lot of people saw it on two legs walking on two legs but not for very long periods like people describe it as briefly standing on two legs walking for a short period other than that one guy that saw it like running beside his car i think that's just made up um but that's a that's bear behavior they will they stand on two legs all the time they can walk for short distances on two legs but they're probably going to go back down to four legs if it's sick it might be eating roadkill Black bears especially are scavengers. They people there's been bear sightings all over the suburbs of Minnesota this year. Like it's very common to see them around. So I think that people in rural Wisconsin would recognize a normal bear, but a mangy, sick Particularly at night, particularly in headlights. Like that first picture that comes up when you say mangy bear, it's like, oh, that's a fucking werewolf. Like I can't believe how much it looks like a werewolf. And I think, yeah, like if you're just driving along the road and something jumps out in front of your car and you don't get the best look at it, you're not going to go, oh, that's probably a sick elderly bear. You're going to go like, what the fuck was that? And also if it's hungry, you know, bears will move more. If there's food is scarce, you know, they're more and more likely to move closer to town. Like if this bear is hungry, maybe that explains why it would like kind of chase people in some of these instances. Yeah. And also, like, the behavior they describe where it it stands up and looks at them and then runs away scared. Like, that's just an animal. It's just, like, a scared, yeah. maybe sick animal. Like, maybe it looks weird and, and whatever. It seems like it's watching people. It's afraid people are going to, like, hurt. It's vulnerable. It doesn't want to get hurt. Right. It's, it seems hungry. Like, yeah, it's I looking was like, for your trash and then gets scared when you walk out to let your dog right. out or something. It wants your fucking garbage. I was like, this... County needs to take better care of its bears, and this problem will go away. It maybe get like, a different animal control guy. <laughs> maybe get an, an animal control guy that's not so quick to be like, finally, my X-Files moment. <laughs> that's I, I get it, but also I'm not sure he's the right fit for the job. I appreciate that he like didn't just dismiss everybody's stories and like tell them they're insane or something, but he might have been a little too far the other way. <laughs> There's that gotta be a happy medium um and you know same with linda like i appreciate that she actually went and listened to all these people and didn't just like dismiss them as being kooks but um i feel like they are probably overlooking like a really obvious uh solution to the mystery because they don't really want it solved like it's better that it's a mystery it's way more fun for it to be a werewolf running around she's not gonna write a book about how people saw a bunch of things and it turned out it was a bear with mange like (laughs) The bear, the bear with mange of Bear Road. Nobody's reading. Nobody's reading that. She's not going to end up on silly little documentaries like this and have her weird fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, it's way more fun for it to be a werewolf, which I do under. I understand. I just couldn't believe that you like solved it. I was like, hmm, that is it. I'm completely convinced. <laughs> It just, it makes sense. It, it makes sense for the area. It explains pretty much all of the sightings. Like, that's why it would be in the woods. That's why it would be eating roadkill. That's why, like... Chasing deer. Right. Yeah. Looking weird. Like, freaking people out. <laughs> I was kind of... That, that's why it's that tall. Like, every... I was like, yep. Yeah, case, case solved. Put that solved stamp on this one. <laughs> case closed was that werewolf story in beyond belief fact or fiction was that fact or fiction i was trying to remember i don't know i just remember that at some point i went oh so werewolves aren't real (laughs) 
I could not stop thinking about that fact or fiction while I was watching this because it is so, so absurd. The level of absurdity in that one in particular is just like, where they're like, can you believe this story of a guy who was a werewolf? And I was like, no, I can't. I'm going to be honest with you, Jonathan Franks. I think this one is fiction. And did I just say Jonathan Franks? I definitely meant Franks. Our patrons would never complain about our pronunciations. I definitely, definitely meant freaks. But also, <laughs> werewolves are real. Um, I mean, I think this is a fun topic. I don't know that we'll get to talk exclusively about werewolves again on what Patreon. Are we your mom on the show to talk about werewolf lore. I don't, I don't she know. She's gonna answer She's... all of our werewolf questions. She seems really nonplussed about coming on the podcast. Every time I've tried, I tried to get her to write a review or do like record a little review of Werewolf Smackdown. She didn't seem interested. I wanted her to do like a Q&A. She really every time is like, do I have to? <laughs> it's like it's homework. I was like, yes, mom. I'll be a failure if, the, if you don't do this. Anyway, that's the beast. The Bray Road Beast. See, I almost called it the same, the wrong thing again. Well, I would, we're not recommending when you watch it, so no, I would I would pass. I would watch the Mothman one again before I watch this. We were thinking we were gonna watch. What was the one we were gonna watch? I want to watch Octopus Two: River of Fear, but I, I that's something that the two of us should do together. So maybe we're gonna maybe do that next in person. Month. The other one we yeah. wanted to watch was God damn it! Now I forgot what it was. Oh, the, about the Flatwoods. The Flatwoods monster. monster. We both realized that we don't know anything about the Flatwoods monster. It's looks silly <laughs> but also creepy. And why does it look like that? It looks it looks like a. A children's drawing from the 50s <laughs> like not even a children's drawing now somehow um the issue with that is it is on prime but i think you have to pay like four dollars but we probably aren't recommending it so maybe that doesn't matter yeah we usually go into these expecting to be disappointed so <laughs> we can let you know if it's really worth four dollars i guess that seems steep god yeah considering you're already paying for amazon prime jeff bezos and and minimum wage is down. like seven dollars in some places. Should you pay half an hour's work for <laughs> to watch about the Flatwoods monster? I'm gonna say absolutely not without even having seen it. <laughs> um, yeah. Sadly, Jeff Bezos hasn't flown into the sun yet. You know, maybe his spaceship will take a wrong turn. All those all those fucking rich motherfuckers keep talking about going into space, and I'm like, go. Good. All Stay of you there. go. Have a, I, they need to get in rockets and race. And then we're like, well, no, no, we're going to handle your re-entry. Don't worry about that part. Just get your rockets ready to go into space. And then they just like sail off and we're just like, bye. Have fun. Yeah. Say hi to the sun for me. Okay. I think that is the end of this month's special bonus werewolfy episode for you. I hope you enjoyed you it. For with your money. Thank you. Thank you. I hope it was worth it. Thanks for still giving us money, even though we don't have any like, regular content coming out. We should get back to that soon. We'll be back soon. We've had well, a hectic real life as of late. Samantha is cursed. If you put a curse on Samantha, <laughs> please lift it. Yeah. Can you please stop that? I don't. Yeah. It's not fair. She's learned her lesson. Um, just going forward, please lift the Samantha curse. But I think we should be able to start recording again soon. And 
even record in person, yeah. which will be a novelty after all of this. T- you'll have to look at me and you'll be like, oh, <laughs> remote recording. We'll probably it forget is. how to use that mixer. I'll have to relearn it all over <laughs> yeah, again. Yep. I'll have to watch another yep. YouTube video. Oh, no. Okay. We'll have to send our um, setup to Josh at Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries again so he can be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> He was very nice nice. about that. He was so nice about it, but he clearly was also like, this works? He asked us if we, (laughs) do we, I believe he said, do you fix this in post? And I was kind of like, first of all, what is this? (laughs) Fix what? And no. Because the gain or something. (laughs) And we were just like, because he's he's like a musician and he knows all these like recording things. And we were just like, ha ha, yeah. (laughs) Yep. We know what we're doing. We just plugged things in until it worked. Yeah. It's called trial and error, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 